Sing Second Sports is a ProVision Advisors production. Let us solve your toughest communication problems and leave your team stronger and more capable for the challenges that lie ahead. Visit www.provisionadvisors.net to learn more. All right. Hey, hey, welcome everyone to another great episode of the Sing Second Sports Podcast. I am your host, John Schofield. Joining me is Bill Wagner of the Capital Gazette newspaper and Chris Cervello, class of 99, is the producer. Great show this week. We're going to be joined by Navy women's tennis coach Keith Purrier and his captain, Megana Komaraju. Uh, they are having a great season. They're 18 and three and they have Army coming to the Tennis Center on Saturday for the star match. First things first, let's talk about the weekend that was. I'm gonna start with the lowlights and get to the highlights. The lowlights, unfortunately, involved the Navy baseball team. Uh, after defeating Holy Cross 9-5, they lost uh, the uh, second game of a Saturday doubleheader to Holy Cross 10-3, and then got smoked by Army. Luckily, it wasn't the star games. Uh, but Army came into Annapolis and bageled Navy 7-0 in the first game, 9-0 in the second game. Wags, there aren't a lot of good storylines here, but what's your assessment of where baseball is right now? Because I'm sure getting bageled by your arch rival at home was not on Costi's to-do list, and it only gets harder from here. The Mids won't be home again until April 16th. They have roadies at Lafayette and Holy Cross, with an April 6th trip to College Park sandwiched in between to play an uber-talented and national-ranked Maryland team. So so where do you see this team, and how do they turn it around? Well, Sunday was incredibly disappointing, John. Um, the bats didn't show up. I just – I'm Army mowed down Navy, and, I mean, I give credit. Pat Malampi, the, the game one starter, was untouchable. I mean, he, he threw the ball low, power fastball, and – Navy beat the ball into the ground for the most part. Uh, Well-pitched game, two-hitter, only two strikeouts. It's, he, he threw the ball and dared Navy to hit it and, and allowed his defense to do the work. It was an outstanding performance. And then uh, in the nightcap, another great pitching effort. Uh, they ran out a guy making his first career start, and he, he threw the ball. But the Navy bats are just not – doing the job this season. I mean, if you go and look at the numbers, other than Christian Policelli, who was the only guy that really had a good day on Sunday at the plate, nobody's hitting. Um, the guys you expect to hit, the producers, Logan Keller, Zach Stevens, they're, they're not getting the job done. Their batting averages are way low, down low, you know, below 250. They're not driving in runners. So they, they didn't have anyone on base in the opener, but in the second game, they left five men on base. Um, now, Costi will mention that they, they had a lot of hard hit balls and that they were bad luck. A lot of times these hard hit balls are going directly at fielders. And there was an instance of that where Zach Stevens lined a, a shot, but it went directly to the left fielder. I mean, if it's uh, another 10 feet more to left center, it's a gapper and it's scoring runs. So it, there is some bad luck. But, you know, John, after losing to UMBC midweek, 
uh, Navy is now 10 and 15. Um, this is not Navy baseball that we've come to expect. I mean, we've been spoiled by winning seasons, winning 30 games or more multiple times under Costi, and it's just not happening. I'm not sure what Navy's going to have to do to get out of this slump. And uh, there was more bad news, John, in the game one against Army. Starter Reese Early had to come out uh, in the third inning. And Costi, I, I haven't heard the final report, but Costi said it was elbow and it it was not looking good. And he was very uh, afraid that, that Reese's season may be over. So pitching's already a problem. And Reese Early was part of the solution, trying to get a veteran guy you know, he's one of their most experienced pitchers and have him kind of anchor the staff. And now he may be gone. So uh, tough times for Navy baseball, John. Yeah, uphill battle for sure. When the bats are silenced and you already have the problems pitching, it really gets exacerbated. So uh, let's hope for the best for uh, Reese Early and for the rest of the team. They've got about three to four weeks before the uh, star games up at West Point. So hopefully they get it turned around. Uh, let's talk about lacrosse. Henry Tolker scored three of his career-high four goals during a 6-1 Navy run in the first and second quarters, and it helped the Mids to a 14-8 victory over visiting Holy Cross on Saturday afternoon at Navy Marine Corps Stadium. It was a homecoming of sorts for J.L. Reppert, the Holy Cross coach. He was Chris Cervello's class of 99 classmate and the captain of the LAX team. He was eventually an assistant for Tills at Maryland for a pretty long time uh, before moving to Holy Cross. Co-captain Nick Cole notched six points on the afternoon and gave Navy a 1-0 advantage to begin a super sloppy and disjointed half against a winless team. The Crusaders are still winless. I was there for the first half. It was just a tough, disjointed half, but then they turned it on in the second. Wags, before you chime in, let me congratulate Tolker not only for a great game, but he was named the Patriot League Rookie of the Week. And let me apologize to Max Hewitt, who was a sophomore, but I've been confusing him with Tolker basically all season and calling Max a freshman, you know, because Henry Tolker and Max Hewitt are names that sound so similar. So, Max, I'm sorry. Uh, Wags, go ahead. Well, it's always good to get another Patriot League victory. It moves you closer to being in the Patriot League tournament, which is crucial. And as we've mentioned several times on this pod, Navy has some tough games upcoming. Still have to face our rival Army West Point. Loyola, Maryland, which is favored to win the league, and then Boston University, which has been, I won't say a surprise, but they have been outstanding and are nationally ranked. So Boston University is suddenly, is a, a clearly a contender in this league. Um, Toker's a good player. I, you know, I, I know his father. His father played at Mount St. Mary's with friends of mine that I went to St. Mary's High School with, um, Greg Toker. And, uh, you know, Henry is getting the job done. Freshman, he's got 17 goals. He'd had a couple hat tricks, I think three hat tricks uh, in, in, to be exact. And now that was a career high four goals. Um, Scaliac did not do much in that game. Uh, apparently, he's, you know, a little under the weather. Um, but good win. And uh, now Navy goes on the road this weekend uh, to Boston University. Big game. So, uh, but. Um, It'll be interesting to see when Xavier Arline comes back. I was out at Navy football practice uh, on Tuesday afternoon, and lacrosse was practicing adjacent, and uh, Xavier was not practicing. 
looking forward to this weekend. This will be a big telling point for Navy with uh, Boston on the road, John. Yeah, and after that Boston game, they'll return home on April 9th to face Charlie Toomey and the fighting Pat Spencers, the Loyola Greyhounds. Now, speaking of the Spencers and Loyola Wags, the Greyhounds basketball program suffered what I would call a pretty huge loss on the basketball court as Cam Spencer, who averaged 19 points, and that's like the quietest 19 points that a player has averaged in a long time, like when I first heard that he was transferring, uh, you know, I, I thought maybe he averaged like 10 to 12. It's 19 points and five boards. He entered the transfer portal, according to ESPN's Jeff Borzello. This is pretty huge for the Patriot League, for Navy. And Wags, what do you think? Maybe a possible addition to new coach Kevin Willard's squad at Maryland, or maybe perhaps a, a gap filler up at Villanova with Justin Moore being out for the year. What were your thoughts on this transfer? Because it surprised me. Surprised me as well, John. I mean, the, considering the Spencer family ties to Loyola, I mean, Loyola's been very good to that family. I mean, Cam Spencer was not all that highly rated coming out of Boys Latin uh, School in Baltimore. And, you know, he got a scholarship. And, you know, but I understand if you feel like you can play on a higher level, you want to try to do so. Obviously, you challenge yourself. Um, it'll be interesting to see where he lands. I'm not certain that Cam Spencer is a power five type player, um, maybe in a reserve role perhaps, but um, I would think more Atlantic 10, something in that realm would be the next step, which is a higher level than the Patriot League. Um, but, you know, maybe Cam has some aspirations to play professionally like his brother, Pat Spencer, is with the go-go Washington Wizards, uh, whatever you want to call it, D-League team. And uh, or is it the G League, John? I can't keep straight. Right. But uh, so maybe he wants to play professionally and he feels like he needs to play at a higher level to show the scouts that he's legit. Um, you know, his brother, after had an incredible career of lacrosse at Loyola and won just about every award you could possibly win, set records left and right went and played at Northwestern and was the starting point guard and played pretty well, but that one year audition was not enough. And, you know, he's been scuffling trying to, he played over and uh, overseas and now he's trying to make it with the go-go in the G league. So uh, maybe Cam feels like he needs to, because I, th I believe Cam would have two more years of eligibility um, wherever he goes. Cause so he gets like, the COVID year too. Yeah. Right, right. So unlike his brother, only had one year to see what he could do. So very interesting. You're right. I mean, it's a definite loss for Loyola. They did not expect that, I'm sure. Yeah, and now all we need is for the entire rest of the uh, Colgate team to, to transfer, and I think we'll be okay. We know friend of the pod, Brian Powell, uh, enjoys hearing about the fighting Spencers, particularly Pat Spencer and his former prowess hey. out there at the, uh, at the Annapolis uh, public yeah, public competitions. Hey, John, on yeah. the topic of Colgate, I said on this pod that I was certain that Matt Langle would get a higher job. And I have no doubt that there were suitors uh, contacting his agent, but he just inked a contract with Colgate through 2030. So that was surprising to me. I mean, I think Matt Langle has, can easily and should be coaching at a higher level. And, uh, he's elected to stay at Colgate for the time being. 
I tip my cap to him because anyone who wants to stay in Hamilton, New York for seven more years uh, after what you and I drove through to get to that game, <laughs> that's insane. You're, that's you're not kidding, John. Absolutely nuts. Final segment before we go to break, let's talk about women's lacrosse. After suffering a tough midweek loss to Georgetown, Cindy Chimchel's midshipmen, they righted the ship and stayed undefeated in the Patriot League by defeating Lehigh. The previously 17th ranked mids, who are now ranked 22nd, um, you know, came back, stayed undefeated in the Patriot League, and Wags, the usual suspects, were present for both the loss to Georgetown and the bounce-back win against Lehigh, particularly in the second half against Lehigh, where they outscored the Mountain Hawks 7-1. What can you say right now, Wags, because other than the loss to Georgetown, which was disappointing, the team really looks like it can make a deep run in the NCAAs. I know there's a long way to go before that, but I think Cindy's got them on glide slope. The tough games are to come, John. Um, they've got Lafayette, which is down at the bottom of the standings. The, the games to look for here, American is currently undefeated within the league. Army's undefeated within the league, and so is Loyola. That's who Navy closes the season with. Three straight games, April 20th, a Wednesday in Annapolis versus American. April 23rd, a Saturday at, against Army at home in the Star Game. And then April 28th, a Thursday night, up in Baltimore at Ridley Athletic Complex against Loyola. So those, those three games. I expect Navy to be unbeaten in the Patriot League going into that final three-game swing, and that's going to determine seeding for the tournament. I mean, I, you don't want to have to go up to Loyola for the Patriot League tournament. If you can avoid it, it would be nice to get that home field advantage. Um, a lot of lacrosse still to be played, and obviously, you know, Loyola is looking like the team to beat, which, by the way, they played Syracuse in the Dome uh, Tuesday and and kind of got screwed. They Score the tying goal, and uh, uh, the girl who dished the pass, I saw it on Twitter, got card for, called for charging and wiped out what appeared to be the tying goal. Uh, but a furious comeback by Loyola was for naught lost to Syracuse. But you know, Syracuse women's lacrosse is you know, among the best in the nation. So Loyola still looks like the team to beat in this league. But Army got it. Look, Army West Point, that program has been improving. And so uh, – those three matches at the end of the season, John, in my opinion, are going to tell uh, the story of where things are going. And hey, everyone, really quick update here is we're putting the pod together. An 11th hour edition and a good addition to the podcast is the fact that the number 22 Navy women's lacrosse team posted a 17 to 5 shellacking over Lafayette, a Lafayette team that's 1 and 8 and now 0 and 3 in the Patriot League. These are teams that Navy women's lacrosse should be beating, and they beat them last night. Uh, up at Lafayette, you know, again, we talked about it during the pod and during the descriptions of the previous games, the the standard names, Roloffs led all scores with five points. She had another Hattie and a pair of assists. Um, Lily Denton, Casey Dietzel, Jill Eby, uh, Charlotte Ryan, Isabella Thornburg. I mean, even Beardmore, shout out to local Annapolis products, had a goal. So, uh, you know, great performance offensively and then defensively. Causing 12 turnovers from Lafayette really made the difference in the game. But as Wag said, these are the wins that they're supposed to get. They got one last night. Next up, a little roadie up to scenic Hamilton, New York on uh, on April 2nd before returning home. So hats off to women's lacrosse. Really good win. 
staying atop the Patriot League where they belong. Let's see what they do this weekend. A little word about our sponsors, Dry D5 and Red Red Wine Bar in downtown Annapolis, owned by Brian and Lisa Bolter. Uh, we are getting close to spring cocktail season at Dry 85. Always an exciting time. That's going to happen probably end of April. But come in, try a Dry 85 burger. Go over to the Red Red Wine Bar. It's starting to get warm out. Sit outside, copious outdoor seating, have a glass of wine, and enjoy the DTA atmosphere. Many thanks to our sponsors at Red Red Wine Bar and Dry 85 Annapolis. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Keith Perrier. This is Sing Second Sports. All right, Sing Second fans, a few announcements from our friends at the Naval Academy Athletic Association. Your Navy men's and women's lacrosse teams return home Saturday, April 9th for a doubleheader, starting with the men taking on in-state rival Loyola at 1 p.m. Following the completion of the men's game, the 22nd ranked Navy women's lacrosse team will take on Boston University. The team will be celebrating Senior Day prior to their 4 p.m. matchup with the Terriers. In addition, the first thousand fans in attendance for the doubleheader will receive a free Navy lacrosse foam finger. For tickets, call 1-800-US4-NAVY or visit NavySports.com. Now switching to baseball. Navy baseball returns to Max Bishop Stadium for a three-game series with the Mountain Hawks of Lehigh University Easter weekend, April 16th and 17th. On Saturday, the team will be celebrating Jackie Robinson Day during the doubleheader starting at 1 p.m. with the first 150 fans receiving a free number 42 Navy baseball jersey koozie as part of the festivities. Then on Sunday, bring the kids out to the 1 p.m. series finale for an Easter egg hunt at the ballpark. Kids are also invited to run the bases after Sunday's game. So that's Easter weekend with Navy baseball. Now back to the pod. All right. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Sing Second Sports Podcast. Let's talk a bit about women's tennis. Uh, the Navy women's tennis team opened up Patriot League play this past Saturday with a 7-0 drubbing over Lehigh at home. They are in the sweep of the doubles competition over the Mountain Hawks. Uh, prior to taking four of the five singles competitions all in straight sets. Uh, then on Sunday, they won five of the six singles matches over Bucknell in straight sets, along with sweeping the doubles competitions in route to a 6-1 victory over the Bison on Sunday. So, yeah, you could probably say that that was a good weekend. With the win over Lehigh on Saturday, uh, Navy head coach Keith Purrier reached 250 victories for his career at the helm of the midshipman program. Uh, he's now in his 14th season in Annapolis, 33rd season overall as a head coach. And now after Sunday's win, he sits just six wins shy of 700 for his career as a head coach. He played for two years uh, at Howard University before transferring to UMBC. Following a year at UMBC, enlisted in the United States Marine Corps, where he served from 83 to 88 before returning to his studies at UMBC and graduating with a BS in economics in 1990. Coach, thank you so much for joining the podcast, and let's get right into it. How would you frame this season so far? You're 18-3. and three. The ladies are playing so very well. I was able to go to the Drexel match where you even have players singing the national anthem. It's a great <laughs> year so far. How would you characterize it over the course of your career, this kind of success so far? It's been a good year. Um, I, I think the ladies have really worked hard and they've really uh, bought into the things that 
you know, we've been really trying to espouse to them uh, coming in every day, prepared and ready to work hard, um, looking at each match as an opportunity. And, 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 and truthfully, even though we, our record's pretty good, really not focusing so much, you know, on the wins and losses, but instead, uh, instead of that really going in and having a plan and, and really understanding that each match is something to be, is something to be gained from each and every match that you play, win or lose, and just doing the little things that you need to do in order to get a win. And that's really been one of some of the keys to our success. And we're looking uh, to continue on that, uh, on that path, you know, this weekend, as well as throughout the rest of the, the season, short season now we have left. Yeah, for sure. It's gone by quick, but it's been, you know, racked with success, obviously. And this coming weekend is the star match against army. Now I've asked a bunch of coaches this after all of the success in the fall and the early winter you know, the, the prevailing uh, uh, trend line here is for us this year to beat Army and basically make that yard arm outside of gate one pretty heavy uh, with pennants. For you, you know, what's it been like to be a member of this team and Ricketts Hall, uh, a member of this head coaching community with all of the other success that the other sports have had? Does that kind of tune the pressure up on you on, you know, this weekend to beat Army? I know it's always in your DNA to beat Army and you want to do that, but what's the other success in the other sports this year against Army done to the environment? Well, I think it really has, it really makes everyone feel like um, they want to do their part to, uh, to, to, to beat them. Um, I think that's always the case. You know, that's always our goal coming in. I know it's the same way up there, you know, with them and, um, I don't really think it puts on any added pressure because the pressure is always going to be there. You always want to beat them. It doesn't matter whether, you know, whether the coach beside you is won or lost, uh, you know, you still want to do your part, you know, in the, uh, in, in the whole scheme of things. And, and most importantly, the players, I mean, they really, they really want to do the best job they can of representing the Academy is something that for instance, with the plebes, it's instilled in them from day one, every time they cut a corner and, and, uh, Bancroft Hall, you know, they have to say beat Army. And so it's just something that's really ingrained in the DNA of of the Navy Blue and Gold. And, and every time out, you know, we want to beat them. They want to beat us. And that's what makes it such a, a simulating robbery. Well, I can't wait to be out there this weekend to watch it. Wags, go ahead. Well, Coach, let's talk about some individual players. I mean, obviously, with the success you're having, there's a lot of players with winning records. But I'm looking uh, particularly um, – and uh, you may have to help me with the pronunciation of Megana's last name. How, <laughs> yes. How does Kamaran, she pronounce that, Coach? Kamaranju. So Megna Kamaranju. Right. And she's uh, primarily playing number four, and she is off to a, uh, a tremendous start, um, 20 and six. And then Emily Tannenbaum, 21 and 10. And then uh, I was looking at Casey Moore, 19 and nine. But can you maybe talk about some of the individual players? And I know your number one is Julian Taggart. And she's 16 and 14. But mm -hmm. kind of maybe talk about some of the individual players who are leading this success. Yes. So Megna Kamaranju, that she's our team captain. And just a little backstory on her. Um, she really had really pervasive knee pain um, in the fall that was really hindering her play. And she went under a, uh, a procedure, a very painful procedure, in fact, that put her out for a couple of months. Um, she couldn't really stand and, and run or anything like that. So what she would actually do is she would come to practice every day and she would sit in the chair and I would feed her balls, forehands and backhands and volleys and overheads and serves, all of that from a chair with her legs stretched out. So, she, so it, was, it was basically immobilized. 
um, that's the backstory into the success that she's had. So we really didn't even know um, how well her knee was going to respond and and how much uh, she was actually going to be able to do for us. And the only thing that she's done is just really led us to uh, some of the successes that we've had, because to see that and see your team captain, your team leader coming out and making that type of sacrifice for the team um, is is just empowering. And, and so she's really been you know, one of the spearheads of, you know, of what we've done thus far this year. Um, Emily Tannenbaum, uh, she's a freshman. Um, she's had she's had a, a very, very good year. Uh, she's played a little bit of one, but mainly mainly two singles, uh, a little bit of three. And and she if she continues in the way that in that, that she has, you know, I, I really see bright things happening for her. She she comes in to practice. She works hard every single day. And uh, she's just immensely, uh, immensely, you know, talented. Uh, but she's going to have to work hard to to really uh, actualize that. And then Casey Moore. Um, like Kamaranju, um, senior and one of our team leaders. And she's another one who every single time out, every match, every practice, every lift session, every run, um, she's always in the front. She's always leading from the front. And you know what you're going to get from her. We call her our team warrior, you know, and, you know, she might she might lose, but she's going to go down kicking and scratching and, and fighting uh, to the last ball. And again, that type of attitude really permeates throughout our, throughout our team. And that's one of the reasons for our success. So, I mean, did you see this coming? This, the, the, I mean, I know you don't want to reflect on the record too much or dwell on it, but it is an amazing, you're, you're really having an amazing season. Did you just sense with the experience and the leadership you had, the talent that you had, that this was possible this season? I knew it was possible, but I, I, you really you really don't know. You sort of just taking each match at one at a time, you know, at the beginning of the season as coaches, we sort of take a look at our schedule and, and you know, we go down the line and, and some of the matches we won, um, I really, they were toss-ups and we just went out and we just played um, really tough, tough ball. And I think um, – the, the tipping point for us was actually a loss that we took. Um, we went up to Delaware and we played them on a surface that was fairly, fairly quick, uh, was something that we weren't um, really used to. And, you know, after the match, I told the players that, you know, champions, uh, you learn about them after they've lost a match. And, and it's, it's all about how we're going to respond after, uh, after that loss. And they really took that feedback that they were given. And, and it really has, has helped to, uh, to push us to, the um, the lengths in which we've you know we've been thus far been able to to uh, things we've been able to achieve thus far. So with regard to Army, they're eighteen and seven and having a good season. Uh, they're unbeaten two and zero in the conference as you are. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't want to bring up you know, bad memories, but last year the Army Army beat you. What yep. what's the key to this match in your opinion, Coach? Well, we got them too. We got them back. <laughs> they one and one last year. They got us in the end star and then we got them in. Uh, the semis of conference championship. And I think like with every army Navy competition, it really comes down. The emotions are so high and it's really going to come down to who, who deals with um, everything that's sort of surrounding them is able to really focus in and, and just keep things, you know, fairly simple and just do the best job you, you, that they, you can of executing and, um, and really keeping your, keeping your, your head on straight. I mean, I think that's the big thing. Um, you know, we're going to go out, the, the, the fight and the will and the drive is going to be there. And it's just going to be 
important for us to really take care of those things that we have control over um, and just remain focused throughout the uh, the entire match, um, both single for all six singles and all three doubles matches. That's for me before I turn it back to John to close us out. But, you know, Navy was started a women's tennis program and you were the first to, uh, brought in to be the first head coach. You're at UMBC having tremendous success. It's your alma mater. You're in the UMBC Hall of Fame. Why, why did you decide to take on the challenge of building a program from scratch? It, it, that's a really, really good question. Um, I knew the job was coming up. I, I knew John Officer, who at that time was the, the men's coach. And, and actually, of all people, uh, the, the coach at Army, Paul Peck, you know, he, he also mentioned that uh, Navy is going to be starting a women's tennis program. I was very happy at UMBC. Um, I had never, I would only interview for one other position, you know, while I was there. And I actually saw myself retiring from there, but um, I, I knew I'm from Maryland. I knew about the Naval Academy. I, I knew the type of resources that it had and also the history, you know, of the program. And I went and I applied and I'll be honest, I didn't think I was going to get the job. I, you know, I figured it would just be a, you know, an interview and then, you know, that would be the end of it. And I came down and, and interviewed and I, you know, I just really got good vibes. I love the place. Um, I mean, what's not to love? And um, one thing led to another. And, you know, I was I was offered the job. And initially, um, initially, my wife it, it was was against me taking it. Uh, and so we had to and, you know, the, the wife is a boss. Happy wife, happy life. And so we had her uh, come down. They brought her down and they showed her around and she gave me uh, her blessing and, and the rest is history. Um, you know, I, I love this place. I, I'm a UMBC grad, but I, I believe, you know, Navy blue and gold. And it's an unbelievable place to work. The people that you're around on a daily basis, you know, the kids and I call them kids, but the young adults that you have a chance to interact with, um, they're great. And they're going to go out and they're going to do great things. They're going to represent us, our nation, you know, in a, a real and profound way. And it's just, um, it's the best job in the country. Oh, no. Thank God for your wife coming aboard because uh, Navy is very fortunate to have you, Coach. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. So, uh, Coach, yeah, I, I, I echo your sentiments. I, I went to Villanova, but I, I bleed uh, Navy blue and gold. And, and obviously Saturday is a big, big day for the Villanova Wildcats, but I think it's yes, even indeed. bigger for, uh, for Navy tennis, and I can't wait to be out there. Uh, if anyone is around Hospital Point, and Hospital Point, if anyone's around Greenberry Point or the golf course, come out to the Brigade Sports Complex, the Toes Tennis Center, and watch 11 a.m. Uh, Navy take on Army for the star. Coach, before I let you go, you know, I grew up playing tennis competitively in high school. Um, mm -hmm. I've followed the game. I, I'm a student of the game. From your perspective as a coach being involved in the women's game, can you kind of characterize where it is today? Sort of, you know, bombshell last week with uh, Ashley Barty announcing her retirement. Yes. You know, the Williams sisters are more in the news for the Oscars than they are for tennis really anymore. And I don't know if Serena is going to get the health to get that all-time majors record. But mm -hmm. all the way back from like the Monica Sellis stabbing incident to uh, Martina Hingis uh, retiring early to certainly Naomi Osaka and the battles with mental health. How have you evaluated uh, the evolution of the sport and particularly the advent of caring for mental health in a sport that has so much pressure? 
Yeah, yeah, and I think that's um, that's something that you're seeing in, in athletics across the board, not just in tennis. Tennis, I think, uh, because it is an individual sport, is really highlight highlighted quite a bit more. But if you just look at NBA basketball, you know, with uh, you know with Ben, and, you know, and and Philadelphia and his experience, I think that's something that um, is really permeates, you know, through I, I think every single sport. I think women's tennis um, and tennis in general, it's always been one where it's been on the cutting edge of of dealing with uh, you know the mental aspects of the game again because it is so so individualist individualized. And I think it's in a good place. I think um, the players are now starting to understand because their schedules are rigid. I mean, to, to travel around all over the world and, and you know, one, you know, one day during the week, you're in, you're in Asia and then the next day, you know, or later in the week, you're, you're in Europe and the time differences and, you know, the pressure that they're under um, every single match, you know, that you play, you know, you're. You know, you're basically being evaluated by your ranking and, and you're moving up and down. And, and, and as they say, uh, you you eat what you kill in tennis, you know, so if you're not winning, you're, you're not making you're not making money. So so there is quite a bit of pressure in that regard. But I think the game is healthy. I think um, some of the Naomi Osaka coming out and, and really um, talking about her mental struggles actually um, helps to normalize it a little bit so that players now realize that, hey, it's not just me, you know, you know she's at the top of the game and, and, and she's struggling with the, you know, with the same issues that I do. And that helps them to um, feel comfortable reaching out to get help. Um, you know, so I think that would that would be sort of like my my take on it. No, that's a phenomenal perspective. And coach, we appreciate your time. I know you got to go teach a class right now. So yes. academics comes first. Let's go ahead and get you on the road. But thank you so much for joining us. And I can't wait to see you 1100 on Saturday where you're going to beat the hell out of Army. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Navy women's tennis coach Keith Perrier. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we mentioned Megana Kumaranju. She is going to join us on the pod. Stick with us. This is Sing Second Sports. A special thank you to our friends at the Naptown Scoop. Hey, if you're an Annapolis resident or somebody that lives outside of Annapolis but gets back to town like me, you definitely want to sign up for the Naptown Scoop. There is not a better place online to find out the latest in local politics, sports, weather, restaurant openings, what acts will be playing at what bars over the weekend. Go to naptownscoop.com, click on the subscribe button, and start getting in the know. That's naptownscoop.com. Click on subscribe. Now back to the pod. All right. Hey, hey, everyone. We are back from break. So as we are talking to Coach Furrier, uh, we are going to add to that conversation by talking to the team captain, Megana Komaraju. So Megana is currently playing number four singles. She's coming off of a 6-4-6-0 victory on Sunday at Bucknell or against Bucknell. So Number one, Megana, thanks for joining the podcast. Number two, you're the captain of this team. And really, your prime event is coming up this weekend with Army coming to the Toes Tennis Center. Uh, what can we expect? And are you, are you going to bring home the star? Hi. Thank you so much, first of all, for having me. It means a lot. Uh, second of all, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the plan. Bring home the star this Saturday. Definitely one of the biggest games um, or matches of the season, if not the biggest match. So very excited for it. Um, as far as getting ready for it, just we've been plugging away the same stuff that we've been doing in practice this whole season. At the end of the day, it's just another tennis match. So 
just kind of focusing on the little things, staying in the moment and really excited for the, the big moment that is to come on Saturday. So looking at the record, which is 18 and three, it's been a fantastic year. The success has been rolling in. You're second on the team in victories, uh, both singles and doubles. You know, for you personally, what's it been like to now start achieving on this level and, and start to see the success on the team scale that you have? It, it's got to be so satisfying right now. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. I had no idea what our team record was or that I had that many wins just because um, one thing we focus on as a team um, is just kind of like taking it match by match and not really trying try not to focus on the wins and losses, which has really helped me. I, I, I definitely have felt more comfortable this season playing out there. And I think it's just because of the fact that coaches have really reinforced to focus on how we're playing and the mindset with which we're playing and kind of trusting that process. And it's been really rewarding to see that pay off. And I think it's just been a positive feedback loop and that the team at first, it's really hard, but we started to trust the process and we leaned into it. And while it may not be what might not always seem perfect at first, because we've had such great buy-in from everyone on the team, um, I guess the results have spoken for themselves. So just really fulfilling to see that play out that way. Well, talk to me a little bit about what I can expect to see, because I'll be out there at 11 a.m. on Saturday awesome. um, at the Tennis Center as we beat the hell out of Army and, and yep. make the yard arm outside of gate one yet even heavier with another pennant. <laughs> but, but and, you know, talk to me a little bit. Don't give away any company secrets here, but talk right. to me about what we're going to see. Where are the tough matches going to be? What's Army been like this year? You know, what's your scouting report for what, you know, myself and what other fans are, you know, can see on Saturday? Um, well, A, I'm not going to lie. I haven't been looking at Army's record just because um, just college tennis in general, you never know what lineup a coach is going to bring on a given day. And you never know how people are going to play. You know, it's not, especially with Army Navy, I guess. And you, you see this across sports, not just tennis doesn't matter what a season has looked like. It, it's just a completely different game or match, depending on what sport you're talking about. So the big thing is this weekend, um, every match is going to be, there's, it's going to be a point of contention. Uh, we, you know, sometimes people like to focus on like, Oh, like is the one match going to be tougher or is the four match, but every single singles match counts for the same amount. And each doubles match counts just as much as the other doubles match. So, um, you're going to see a lot of fight on both ends for sure. I can guarantee you that this weekend, and it's, it's going to be exciting. I mean, there's um, going to be people that are playing in this match that have probably never played in the N-Star match before. So that'll be really exciting to see that for some of the plebes and youngsters um, and like even the second class. So that'll be super exciting. Some new talent, a new uh, like, I, I mean, there's not there's no way to really describe the experience of playing an N-Star match until you get to do it. So I'm really excited for them to have that opportunity. And also this is, for the entire team, our first N-Star match at home, just because um, two years ago, my youngster year, it got cut short. Our season got cut short before we got to play it. So you're definitely just going to see um, even more fight just because we love playing on our home courts and we're really excited to bring that fight this Saturday on our home turf against um, our age-old rival. Well, uh, I'll tell you what, uh, Megan, you know, you, you kind of took my question away from me, but, you know, I'll, I'll still ask it. 
you know, if you had a recruit or a drag with you, you, you're walking them through what made the Naval Academy so special for you and what the rivalry, you know, against Army means and what being an athlete was all about. You know, what, what would you tell that potential recruit? What would you tell that person who is on the fence about, you know, whether they should go to the Naval Academy about what, you know, the achievements that you have you have been a part of morally, mentally, and physically. What what would you tell that recruit about what's so great about this place? Um, as cheesy as it sounds, I always say the best thing about this place, without a doubt, is the people. I mean, there are always going to be hard days here, but there's nothing like showing up to practice and just knowing my teammates have my back. Um, in terms of the rivalry, it's so rewarding to have a rivalry that's still like that's rooted in not hate, but like in tradition, uh, because at the end of the day, in four years, we graduate and there are brothers and sisters in arms. Uh, so there's still a whole lot of respect for what they do or what they've signed up for. But in that moment, it's definitely heated, um, just as heated, if not more heated than other college rivalries. So it's really cool to be part of something that's a little more, uh, that has more depth than just, oh, we don't like the school or that's like, we don't like, like the people that go to that school. Um, and then, yeah, but once again, being here, just the people, I mean, there's so much to learn from the people that come here and I've never been a part of an organization or institution where people are willing to drop everything for you, just knowing that you're a part of it. So there's that camaraderie is unmatched and it, you know, you always can tell recruit that, but it, my favorite thing is when they actually do come here and they kind of repeat that back, like, holy cow, I you were saying that to me, but now I really get why you were saying it because I love the people here. So, yeah. No, I completely agree with you. So you mentioned going out and joining your brothers and sisters in arms. Uh, what did you service assign? And, and, you know, what are your plans immediately after graduation? So I service selected uh, surface warfare. So I'll be on a ship after I graduate. I'll be on the USS Billings. Um, so I'll be out of Mayport, Florida. Um, and I'm going right away too. So I'll be going to BDOC, uh, so basic division officer course in June. So, and then after that, I'll be reporting to Mayport to do some more schooling for my ship. I'm actually really excited because another first year on my team, Casey Moore, um, she's not on the same ship, but she picked the Churchill, USS Churchill out of Mayport and we'll be living together when we're in Mayport for like three years. So that, uh, relationship will not, well, none of these relationships stop, but I'll still get to see her all the time, which is really exciting. And then it'll just be a competition as to who gets their swoop in first, I suppose. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, Megan, you, you picked the right, you know, you picked the right service assignment, you know, <laughs> as one swoop to the other. Oh, uh, it's good you to know, hear. I, I, res I respect that choice and you're going to love it. And our producer, Chris Cervello, is from uh, just south of Mayport. So you'll always have a friend oh. of the pod looking out for you. So. Um, awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, the next time I see you will be Saturday. I expect to be helping you uh, celebrate a big win over Army. And, oh, you know, one last you. time, uh, what's your what's your prediction for uh, for Saturday? Are we going to win or are we going to lose? Let the uh, sing second sports audience know. Uh, we're going to win. That's you know, that's that's all there is to it. We're, we're putting in the work now uh, to make that happen. So definitely, definitely going to back that up. Got to back that talk up with some walk but hopefully a saturday that's what you guys will see can't wait to see it so hey megana the captain 
of the women's tennis team playing Army on Saturday, getting that star, adding to the gate one yard arm. Let's do it. We're going to go to break. When we come back, Wags and I will bring us out. This is Spring Second Court. A special thank you to our sponsors at Red Red Wine Bar and Dry 85 on Main Street in Annapolis. Whether you're an Annapolis resident or if you're coming into town to watch sports or for a reunion or you just want to get back to Naptown as the weather gets nicer, my favorite is a Cabernet and a Cuban sandwich at Red Red Wine Bar or an Old Fashioned and a Dry 85 burger at Dry 85. You can't go wrong with either. Be sure to check out both establishments. And again, thank you to Brian and Lisa Bolter for all of their fantastic support. Now back to the pod. All right, we are back. Awesome conversations and good luck to Keith and Megana as they take on Army this weekend. I know I will be there 11 a.m. Saturday. You should too. And I might have, you know, because I'm me, scheduled a 2 p.m.-ish tea time on, uh, on Saturday so I can celebrate the victory over Army and then hit the links on what promises to be a gorgeous day. Before we go out, uh, let me talk about two other results. Number one, gymnastics. One day after collecting the team title at the 2022 USAG Collegiate Championships held in Halsey, the Navy gymnastics team recorded and responded with another standout performance in the event finals with 10 individual gymnasts competing across six apparatus at Halsey. The mids came away Nine medal winning with nine medal winning performances, including five outright victories. You know, I love to say the names on the gymnastics team. Uh, Siam Bergagunda, as well as Dan Clark, Josh Williams, Deeran Lutchman, and my favorite Giovanni Giambattesi. They all collected first place accolades on Saturday for their individual efforts and congrats to them. And finally, swimming and diving, the last day of the NCAA Men's Swimming and Diving Championship saw Navy's Caleb Malden finish 33rd uh, in the trial heats of the 200 Butterfly. He recorded a time of 144.62 Saturday morning down there at the Georgia Tech Aquatic Center. Um, That's actually the place where the 1996 Olympic Games were held, too. So he entered the meet seated 35th. Uh, his qualifying time is right around the same, 144.52. Uh, he competed in the national championship in the sec- for the second year in a row. Um, and again, coming in, you know, coming in 33rd, an absolute great thing to get the Navy brand out there at national championships. Hats off to Caleb Malden. Wags, I'll throw it over to you for the final word, whatever you're looking forward to. But, you know, it, it's going to be a busy weekend. And as March turns into April, like I said, a lot of critical, critical competitions for the midshipmen. Yes, John. And I want to give a shout out to intercollegiate sailing. Uh, over the weekend, they took first place at the Hanbury Trophy Regatta. Dominant performance, uh, finishing 40 points ahead of the nearest competitor. Navy is also qualified for the Mid-Atlantic Intercollegiate Sailing Association Team Racing Championships. So congrats to the uh, intercollegiate sailing team led by our good friend, Coach Ian Berman. And John, you were going to give a shout out to the fencing team, I believe. Yeah, and Wags, thanks for reminding me. The Navy fencing team is this weekend hosting the All-Academy Meet against Army and Air Force. It'll be at Wesley Brown. Shout out. Um, Thanks for letting us know about it. Alan Morris, who's a Navy fencing dad, letting us know about 
the fencing competition happening this weekend again at Wesley Brown on Saturday. I'll try to swing over there uh, before the uh, star match between uh, Navy and Army for tennis. But very much thank you, Alan Morris, uh, for letting us know about that. And we'll bring you the results as soon as we know. So, Wags, thank you very much for being here. Chris, thanks for being the, the producer with the most. Thank you very much to you, the fans, and our other sponsors, Naptown Scoop, Academy Consulting, our friends at Sheehy Lexus of Annapolis, and as always, NAAA for their support of this pod. I am John. He's Wags. Cervella's not here. Doesn't matter. We're out. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of podcast segments.